Welcome to Movie Bomb, a podcast where two comedians discuss the greatest movies never made. Never made? What's your malfunction, Rico? Each week, we pick a genre, actor, or director and ponder the movies that could have been, like Bruce Willis's The Princess Diaries or Anne Hathaway's Die Hard. For regular updates, join our Facebook group, Movie Bond Collective. Or follow us on Twitter. Or don't. We're not your mothers. Okay, uh, welcome to episode 21 of uh, Movie Bong. Uh, this podcast can legally drink in the United States. Just what I was going to say. <laughs> um, wow, 21. Crazy. I mean, like... This podcast isn't 21 years old. We haven't been doing this. We haven't been doing like a yearly God, no. podcast. God. We don't release episodes yearly. We release them roughly weekly. Yes, they are very rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like um, we, we've been having fun for 21 episodes. We've been pitching ideas uh, for movies that don't exist but should. Yeah, totally. And, uh, we've been talking about a lot of movies that we've watched. We've seen some great movies uh, recently. But this isn't just about sort of like uh, movies that exist. Uh, This podcast is about movies uh, that should exist. Yes. Uh, We spend a lot of time pitching ideas. Uh, You know, we've got a real back catalogue now. Um, Now, um, we should explain uh, this week's episode is a Quentin Tarantino special. It is. Um, He's just released uh, his new movie, his ninth feature, Once Upon a Time in... Hollywood. Yeah, which we have just got out of seeing, uh, literally this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, We'll get on to him in a bit, uh, but before then, we've got a very special treat for you, uh, because one of uh, last week's features uh, that we pitched uh, on last week's episode, which was Movie Bong, The Movie, The Movie... Uh, we've actually been in talks with a studio, and it, it, it's been picked up, and uh, we've got a trailer for you uh, this afternoon. Yeah, because this was your feature uh, you came up with. Yeah. Um, and it was it was almost, it was very meta. I mean, it was, there was a fil- film within a film. I sort of called it, uh, I described it as Stoner Inception. Yes. Right, because last week we did Stoner Movies, uh, which is a yeah. great episode. Um, and yeah, yeah, this is my idea. It's sort of a... Uh, a very hyper-fictionalized uh, retelling of our lives, essentially. Yes. yes. Um, as uh, ooh, so, white middle-class podcast hosts. <laughs> yes. It's a film about us doing a podcast and then making a film of that. You know what I think would be more useful to the audience? Yes. Oh. Is if we played them the trailer. You've got a trailer? We've got the trailer, Mike. Shit. Uh, so uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the trailer for Movie Bong, the movie, the movie. Uh, enjoy. Two people from different worlds. I'll have the quail. I'm starving. I've got no teeth. Forced together by fate. Um, my girlfriend's moved out and taken the kids. My life's a mess. And uh, can I live here now? To tell. The greatest story never told. Hey Mike, we're two university-educated white people who host a podcast. Why don't we make a movie about our really interesting lives? Rupert Grint is Red Redmond. Robert Webb is Mike Milling. Wow, our lives are so inspirational. Anne Hathaway is Red Redmond. Mahashala Ali is Mike Millen. Critics are calling it badly edited. A waste of time. Shit. Nominated for 12 Academy Awards. Before I die, I just want to say... Rate and subscribe! The highest grossing movie about a movie about a podcast of all time. Movie Bomb. 
The movie. The movie. Wow. Whoa, that looks or sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the production value on that. Uh, I mean, like, this is clearly a, a big studio project. Yeah, I mean, you can you guys could only hear the audio, but we could see a full, uh, like, a full trailer movie for yeah, it. Yeah, I forget um, people are at home, yeah. uh, unless you're watching on the webcam. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I told them to stop doing that. Hmm? <laughs> it, it was just invading my personal space. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I have taken the one out of the bathroom. All oh, right, yeah. One of the ones out of yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, one of the many. Um, I've still got the upshot. <laughs> All right, jeez. Uh, but that looks exciting. Um, the upshot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll be in the director's cut. But uh, of the film Movie Bong, the movie, the movie, the movie, the movie, the movie, the podcast, the movie. I'm really excited to get to work on it. I'm really excited uh, that Anna Hathaway is playing me. I think that's, that's very... But she's playing the other version of you within the film, the yeah. film version of you. Rupert Grint's actually playing you. Yes, this is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've got me as Robert Webb from Peep Show. I mean, if you're finding this confusing, go back and listen to last yeah. week's episode. It's no less confusing in that one either. <laughs> yeah, well, just listen to it as it's just the trailer for a movie of, of, of this podcast, of our lives. Um, How did you find working with Mahershala Ali? He's a good egg. Um, he learned a lot from me. Did, he? Think... did Did Oscar-winning actor did. Mahershala Ali <laughs> learn a lot from you? I don't think I learned that much per se from him, but I gave him really? some tips. I gave him some tips for <laughs> Blade. Strong words. <laughs> yeah, I gave him some tips for the new Blade. Just like some glasses, and you know, just oh, you know, just, just tell him about vampires and stuff. So, so, you, so one of your tips for Mahershala Ali to be good at Blade was to wear sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously the character wears sunglasses, so he might miss that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and uh, uh, just stuff about vampires, you know, stay away from garlic. Uh, you can only go in if you're invited. Um, and uh, yeah, so see you later, Marsh. <laughs> That's what we, I called him. I don't know why. Can Blade uh, go into people's houses unannounced? I don't know if he does. Does he in any I mean, of the films? Because he's half vampire, isn't he? So, uh, so can he like get like one foot in? Does he do yeah. like a hokey cokey on the porch? Yeah, I think he's allowed in the porch, just or like maybe in the hallway, but yeah. not in any of the main rooms. He's allowed in the foyer. Yeah, and he definitely <laughs> uninvited, can't, yeah. but he's not allowed <laughs> into into any of the bedrooms. Yeah, or he, yeah, he definitely can't stay over <laughs> the living space. Yeah, very confusing rule if you live in a studio apartment. I mean, does he have just stay in the corridor? Uh, I yeah, suppose. I don't know. Well, we'll see in the new Blade when it comes out. I'm sure all those answers, all those questions will be answered. Um, I mean, if they're not, I'm going to be very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, anyway, so this is like a biopic, sort of. Yeah, it's a biopic of us. Uh, there's a lot of um, biopics out at the moment. It's a big thing, but it's mainly like like music biopics are big. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very like, true. You know, your, your, your Bohemian Rhapsodies. Your Bo Rap. Bo Rap. Yeah, I like calling it that. Bo Rap uh, got Oscars and shit. Yeah, and and there's like a new Bowie movie on the way. Yes, and you know people are gonna f- just fawn over that, whether it's shit or not. I think it's going to be Johnny Flynn, um, mm. which is like uh, Jerome Robson and Jerome, one of those guys' son. Uh, and he did the theme for the Detectorist. He's in a film called Beast. He's great, so it could be good. Um, Rocket Man is out. Yeah, yeah, very popular film. Um, so I don't, yeah, so I've been in talks with, uh, the Movie Bong studio guys. Oh, and, right, okay. Um, yeah, uh, they're working on a new music biopic. A biopic. new music biopic? What, what, who, who's, who's it about? Well, you think, you know, you've got your classic, think sort of Walk the Line, what, yeah. what's that, you know, or, or, or what were the other ones, or The Doors, like, like Oliver Ray, Stone. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. The Ray Charles Bit of gritty, yeah, gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, the, the well, the biopic, it, it's about a musician that really has, and an entertainer that, that, that's had a journey, right. uh, possibly a bit of contra, controversy. Um, oh, okay. I mean, it's, okay. it's a real roller coaster story, this one. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've got a, a stellar cast. Uh, I think it's going to be done very tastefully. Bit arty, maybe. Maybe a bit surreal, like Rocket Man. I don't know. I mean, th- this sounds amazing. Like, I, I just can't wait to hear who's, who it's about. 
Yes, yes, and British, which the you know Bo no Rap, Bo Rap, Rocket Man, we're we're we're, we're coming back. We're 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 leading uh, the music biopic yeah uh, parade at the moment. So uh, we've got a new trailer for it oh. now. Oh, great! Um, so uh, yeah, should should we should we play it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. From the makers of Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man comes a musical biopic of a musician, an artist, an icon. Michael Fassbender is Mr. Blobby. Wow. Yes, right? I mean, you've been waiting for that picture, right? Yeah, I mean, I, di- I didn't... I hadn't thought that I was, but now, now, now I've I've heard about it and, and Fassbender. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, wow. I mean, how do you even how do you even get him? I think it was his. I think he produced it and he was behind the project quite from the beginning. Right. Um, I think him and Noel Edmonds actually produced it together. The good friends. So, like, obviously, after him working uh, on Frank, maybe he just has an affinity for artists with large. Papio mache heads. Yes, it's. I think he likes doing roles now uh, behind stupid masks and stuff. I think mm. ever since he filmed Shame and he had his knob out for so long yeah. in making that movie, and yeah. he's naked through a lot of that film, and you see his todger. I mean, it's not small, so you know why he did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, then later on, you know, he's gone into more and more roles where he's been wearing loads of shit. Well, you kind of think, like, what's next of him? Zorro? Yeah, he could dress as Godzilla. Mm. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, Jason Voorhees. <gasps> the Mask. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, you've got lots of um, interesting biopics. We should do a music biopic episode, really. Definitely should, um, definitely should. You know, there's ones. There's apparently ones coming out about Boy George. We should look into that. Cool. Well, uh, looking forward to the rest of the episode. Uh, this is a Quentin Tarantino special. Um, so let's get into it. We've just been to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his uh, ninth feature. Uh, Mike, w- w- what did you think? It was... It was two and two hours forty five minutes, was it? <laughs> sort of thought about it. No, um, and that's a joke um, because it didn't. It didn't like feel that long. I think one of the great things about Tarantino is it, they're always going to be entertaining, and it wasn't uh, boring or anything. But uh, it is strange when you come out of a film that's that long mm-hmm. and you can say, "Oh, it was a bit slight," or "It was a bit wafer thin." It was a bit wafer thin, even though there was not much to it. But what was there was great. I yeah. really liked it. DiCaprio was fantastic. Um, they tried to make Brad Pitt as cool as he could be, and he was cool. And it was it was a good film. It was just for that length of time. I don't. I mean, I'm not quite sure enough happened, <laughs> or there was any point to anything. Yeah. I mean, I agree I with want... everything uh, y- y- you're saying. Uh, I-, I think it's a great film, uh, but it's it's not his best um, uh, by any means. Uh, but th- there is something undeniable that Quentin brings to movies. And, you know, for me, uh, the real standout is... Are the performances that he gets is, is, is the casting that he that he chooses, you know, the actors that he chooses to work with, and and what he gets out of them, and I think he's smashed it in those terms. But I agree, there isn't much to the plot, um, but it doesn't stop it from being really exciting in parts and and just fantastic cinema all round. Yeah, there's great scenes and there's um, wonderful, you know, it's one of his wonderful characters that are real. It's one of his alternate history films. So he did that sort of with Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which um, I really, really like. So I was excited about this one being another sort of alternate history 
one, but it, it was a bit odd with who he chose to focus on and who he chose to not focus on and 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 how he ch- how he chose to present certain real life people and how he chose to present certain characters. I don't know. Um, there were some things that didn't quite sit right for me during it, but the, I, you know, it, it, you can't like say it wasn't good. It's was I mean, brilliant, really. Overall, I think it's quite it's quite an interesting sort of fairy tale about the death of old Hollywood and the start of of, of new Hollywood. And um, but I can't get away from the fact that there are parts of the movie that <laughs> that um, that aren't great, in my opinion. Like like the the whole um, Bruce Lee sequence is a bit strange. And yes, then... it's a bit strange the way they handle it. Um, I think the guy playing him is cool. Um, but the way they present it, the way they present him, the way they present Brad Pitt's character and that, it's a bit strange. I don't know. They just kind of like present him as a bit of a joke. And uh, I don't know. He was a cool guy. I don't know. Like they also, more importantly, they don't just present him as a joke. They, they present him as a cunt, like a, a an arsehole. We don't want to give too much away, but like, and, and the fact that the, it's the choices he makes of who he presents as a cunt and who he presents as cool. And I know, I mean, You'll, you know, people listening, there's there's real-life people put in this. So Polanski's in it, his fellow director, mm. um, and he's not in it much. The, but, but the fleeting moments you get of him, he is presented as a cool guy, and there's nothing bad about him. But, like, he'll choose to sort of, you know, go for really loved people and make, make them a bit of a shit. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, like, Polanski has his own history of abuse, and, and, and Tarantino's been quite outspoken in defense of of that strangely despite the girl definitely being unconscious at the time yeah um <laughs> i should have yeah i felt like i should have pointed that out really that like as, as we're talking about tarantino i do think he's a bit of a fucking cunt <laughs> i don't think that we're alone in that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah particularly his views on the whole blansky thing and the fact that he after those views he's put blansky in this only but slightly i know he's but, kind of pointless in the whole film really well, it's just because he's he, he he's uh, his his property is you know was yeah, yeah. in the real life what that, that was involved. But a lot of the film is about the uh, period of time where he is away because obviously uh, Polanski was famously uh, away during the, the the Charles Manson murders. Yes, yeah, so Sharon Tate is um, at Polanski's house mm-hmm. with uh, whatever that guy's name is, Jay <laughs> something. Played by Emil Hirsch. <laughs> yes, yes. Played by that guy. I, I do think you're right about um, there being strange choices of which characters to show and which characters not to. I mean, personally, I don't think Sharon Tate even necessarily needs to be in this film. I think that at the end of the film, I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler because I'll be vague about it, but there's a bit where um, Sharon Tate speaks through a sort of like um, monitor on a gate. Yeah, like, like a, a gate monitor. Yeah. Um, and I feel like her entire involvement in the movie could have been just <laughs> her talking out of that gate monitor. And, you know, we could have concentrated on some other stuff that was a bit more Say the same about Charlie, Charlie himself in it as well. Mm. I mean... Very underused. Yeah. Uh, but I know that's what he's going for. He doesn't want to use those characters too much like he did with Hitler in Inglorious Bastards. I mean, maybe it would be an obvious choice to use Charlie a bit more. And I, I kind of like that he's he's mm. underused in this. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, there is a lot that I like in it. I, mean, I kind of think that this is why Quentin Tarantino is such a great subject for our podcast. Because obviously we're talking about... Um, we like to pitch movies um, about things that haven't been made yet. And I've always been really intrigued by Tarantino's process. I feel like he comes at it from a from an almost similar angle. Not to, you know, uh, <laughs> tie our techniques in with one of the great masters of cinema. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... No, but he comes up with backshit ideas like us, is what I'm well, saying. Well, that's the thing with Tarantino. He's the ultimate sort of geek done good. He's the ultimate yeah. um, video clerk who's watching movies all the time, watching these B-movies with uh, early performances by people like Michael Madsen and people who he'd put in his movies. Um, and then he's gone on to make huge movies. Yeah. 
So he comes at everything, uh, I suppose, like a film fan and like a nerd. Yeah. Um, which is great. And that's why his films appeal to us so much. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think he's going to be a great fodder for our pitches later in the show as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you don't seem convinced. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. As you say, it's big shoes to fill. I think ultimately uh, this is obviously a movie. Uh, well, to say it's a movie, this is a love letter to Hollywood. And I feel like it's not a love that we all share. Yeah, that's the thing, really. Like, how many people can connect to this? There's so many films that are love letters or something, or a love letter or something. I know I, I, I go on about that. I mean, one of my favourite films is L.A. Story that we've discussed in an earlier podcast. Um in our rom-com episode, where, you, you know, and, and that's a love letter to LA, but th- this is just, I don't know, you, was, you were saying something earlier, it's more like he wants to put himself, he wants to put his well, pictures in the past. My, my criticism is, uh, like, he's, he's grown up in LA his entire life, and I feel like this is very much, you know, uh, I mean, I heard about him, him talking about this film on a, on a thing, on an interview the other day, about how, like, loads of the, even these shots in this film are, like, direct memories from his childhood and stuff like that, and... Sometimes I kind of feel like these, you, like like successful artists, are given lots of scope to do. I don't know something that's a bit too much of an ego project. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm not as invested in in this aesthetic as he is. But you know what? It's his fucking film. I know, but it's just it's 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 just a, as good as it is, and as great little scenes as there are, it is a big pile of fuck all. I think. <laughs> This film is very similar to Hail Caesar, uh, the Coen Brothers movie. I didn't like that either. I know, like, I'm a bigger fan of it than but you are. I like this more than Hail Caesar, because <laughs> uh, this had some fucking gore and action in. But the reason I bring it up uh, is because, like, they're both love letters to old Hollywood, and I feel like they're both directors who sort of grew up through the golden age of cinema, and just want to kind of reflect that in modern day. It's not a part of our aesthetic because we were born in the 80s and 90s, but mm. it's totally their aesthetic. Um, and, you know, you know, maybe we were just born 30 years too late for this film. God, yeah. Um, but uh, it reminded me a little of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice as well. Yeah. Um, but I probably prefer that. Um, because it's just, I love that film. It's no, really much, trippy. I much prefer this to Inherent Bias. Um, but. but this is, this is a bit more masculine and, uh, but <laughs> one thing I find quite intriguing about Tarantino, uh, is like all of his criticisms, uh, he doesn't back away from them at all. Like every, every criticism he's had about like women and violence against women and, and race and, uh, and the use of feet. Yeah. They're there again. Feet everywhere. If, if Dirty you're not girls' feet. Already aware, Quentin has a serious foot fetish, and uh, they're in every one of his movies. There's always like a prolonged foot scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the famous one would be in Kill Bill. Yeah. Wiggle your big toe. Yeah. And um, Death Proof, there's, there's feet throughout that film. Yeah. Um, but. But you know what? Maybe I'm just kink shaming here. Maybe I'm just being. <laughs> close-minded about you know some people like boobs yeah you know some people like butts i bet he's some got... some some absolute fucking freaks like feet no again i'm judging again yeah. mike i bet he's got fucking weird feet um a lot of yeah there are a lot of young girls in this and obviously there's going to be because it's, it's portraying the sort of manson kids the manson t- girls and stuff yeah. so um there is a lot of young you know scantily clad women in it but it is that I think with Tarantino, there is sometimes a little bit of creepiness and a bit of a, um, yeah, violence against women thing, and this 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 has that. Um, and obviously, violence against men as well. Yeah, it's just it's just so as you say, it just goes so full on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. there's not um, for me. There wasn't enough gore in this or action i like a bit of uh, tarantino action and gore for this there wasn't a, for me there wasn't enough there was a nice payoff but there wasn't enough i had a, i had a feeling that it would lead to a, a similar sort of payoff and it, and it kind of did i feel like it's uh, a better decision to have it have all of the violence at the end rather than scattered throughout yeah um, i think uh within inglorious bastards there was sort of uh i mean that was more Episodic, but uh, and chapter, a bit chaptery and stuff. 
um, a bit like Hateful Eight. But uh, there was, yeah, a bit more violence throughout while this it sort of led up to it. This could almost be um, a sprawling Sunday afternoon film with your dad sometimes. Well, it will be anyway, even with the... Yeah, it totally will be these days. Even with the bits of violence, <laughs> of <laughs> intense um, violence against women. So, you know, but that's Sunday afternoon with your dad. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Yeah, not... Mate, uh, just, yeah. just a joke. <laughs> just a joke about... Uh, his... Just a friendly joke. So, uh, joke about the uh, unnecessary violence in Tarantino movies. No, they're all necessary sometimes. No, they're not. Sorry, carry on. Now, uh, obviously, we, we've seen all of uh, Tarantino's back catalogue uh, in the past. Uh, but this, so, so what we decided to do uh, this week was uh, go back and review some other stuff that he had like sort of uh, been involved in. Uh, w- w- one of those things would be uh, Killing Zoe. Yeah, that was a big one for me. Um, obviously, you think of True Romance. He was a big involvement, obviously, in yeah. that. He wrote that. Um, and uh, Killing Zoe was a project written and directed by Roger Avery. Now, Roger Avery um, wrote Pulp Fiction with um, Quentin Tarantino and got the got the Oscar with him and stuff. And I think they worked together on Dogs and whatever. Um, and then they sort of split up, and I think Quentin always more got more of the credit. You know what I mean? He was the, it was a bit like a Tim Burton and Henry Selleck situation where he got all the credit, and the other guy that did lots of work didn't get as much credit. But um, but this is a great film. It's a really well made, frenetic, awesome thriller. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was uh, really impressed with it. I you know uh, I thought I'd enjoy it, but like. Uh it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it's a quintessential VHS film. I had this on VHS. I used to watch it all the time. This, True Romance, and Trainspotting, I think. And this is a big drug film as well, like mm-hmm. Trainspotting. Yeah, a lot of heroin. Um, <laughs> this is like Trainspotting meets uh, Reservoir Dogs, like Trainspotting meets a bank heist movie. Yeah, like Dog Day Afternoon or yes. something. yes. Uh, one thing that I think is uh, brilliant in this film is uh, the use of... Obviously, we know this is a low-budget film, uh, but the way they use the camera and the way they use settings, uh, you're kind of... You're never fully aware of the, the, the shoddiness of it. It's, it's always tight camera work, so that, like, you know, you're only seeing bits of rooms and, and portions of cars and stuff. So, you, you know, if, if you zoom out, I'm sure you'll see, like, it's not the best set, yeah. um, and they haven't got much money uh, in terms of production. But, like the use of tight camera work really, you know, I was really in the story. Like, I was fucking yeah. there. I mean, talking about the story, basically, it's Eric Stoltz, who I was a big fan of growing up, because he was, like, my ginger representation in Hollywood movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, he's in a John Hughes film called Some Kind of Wonderful, uh, another film called Mr. Jealousy. He was just in a few random movies, The Fly 2. And um, we should do an episode on gingers in movies, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to get our representation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Eric Eric Stoltz plays Zed, uh, a familiar name, also a character yeah. in uh, Pulp Fiction. Zed's dead. Yeah, but very different character, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, he goes to France to visit an old childhood friend, and um, they just get... He, he meets a prostitute, they get fucked up with his mates and then they rob a bank and that's about the, the whole story of the film but it's just brilliant yeah yeah like i don't really want to give away too much of this film yeah. at all i think people should seriously go away and watch it it's yeah. a really really solid bank heist film mm. from like 1997 or 98 or something no earlier than that probably. It, earlier a- than that 96 90, earlier than that it's almost like a an indie version of heat or something yeah you know like it's uh it's it's just fucking great <laughs> yeah now um any sort of uh, movies of uh, Tarantino's past that you specifically want to mention before we jump into the pictures this well, week? Well, I don't know. I, you know, it is always interesting, like, because he, when he blew up, he really blew up. So you had that big tagline of, like Killing Zoe, produced by, or whatever, like, presented by, produced by Quentin Tarantino, but it was written directed by some other guy. Same with uh, True Romance, Tony Scott, well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Natural Born Killers, he wrote. Uh, Oliver Stone sort of rewrote it, I think, or with someone else, got someone else to. Um, and he, he's done lots of acting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's that bad as well. He's obviously in um, 
from Dust Till Dawn. He's Despera- in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, Desperado. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in Robert Rodriguez Projects, Planetara. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's in a strange film uh, called Destiny Turns on the Radio, um, where I think he's some sort of weird Elvis-style alien or something. I don't know. It's a strange film. But uh, he, he popped up and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was all over the place for a while when he exploded. Um, and the, <laughs> he didn't explode. Like he did in, in Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah. Good point in popularity. But I'm sure there was like, did, did he not produce like Gen X cops or like one with Paul Rudd and like loads of martial arts stuff? I'm sure he had some involvement in martial arts stuff. I don't know, but he was everywhere for a bit. But he's only done nine films now, really. Yeah, yeah. He he plans on retiring after his tenth. Although I have read that he's planning on doing some sort of loophole where, like, uh. you know, his Star Trek project won't be counted somehow. Because oh, yeah. you know Star it'll be Trek. like a, a a joint project or something like that. Well, he wants to do theatre, doesn't he? That's what he wants to do after yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Maybe want- a theatre production of Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's pretty much written as a play. It's largely, um, it lar- largely pretty much the whole of the film well about 80% of the film happens in one room totally yeah totally it's really really good um yeah I, I mean I think Hateful Eight is one of my favorites I, I really like Hateful Eight I love Django I actually I mean we, we were talking about this earlier because you said why is he gonna um retire at 10 movies and I said because I think he's one of very 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 few people who's in that rare position of being like a consistently brilliant director. Like, yeah. everything he's released is pretty much four stars or above. Okay, we, we don't talk about Death Proof. But, um, I think it's got merit, though. And I, could, I could talk about Death Proof. <laughs> but, but you know what? Even the Coen brothers made Lady Killers. Hey, okay. But, no, but Death Proof's better than that. Death Proof was just too yeah, good a parody. It was too good a homage to... Uh, the cinema of Russ Meyer and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. And mm-hmm. Because he did put loads of meandering dialogue in sort of just long spaces and just... It was all a bit... Yeah. And your favourite Zoe Bell, his stun, stunt, uh, stunt actress, was in it. I am personally not a big fan of Zoe Bell. I think she's... You know, clearly a very talented stunt actress, but I don't think she's a talented actress. She's a stunt actress that was in loads of Tarantino's films, and he's really worked with her loads, and he started putting her into more and more, like, actual proper roles within the film. But for me, she always brings me out of the film. She's in Hateful Eight um, as the the, like, the New Zealand uh, cowgirl. She's had her um, little B-movie, straight-to-DVD action movies and stuff, I think, where she's been the star of uh, after... That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so but, she could give but, her a chance. But she, I did, and she did it again in <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this afternoon. She's briefly in it, briefly. Yeah, but she's really bad in it. And, <laughs> and she's on screen with, like, so many great performances. Like, it honestly feels like he's ran out of budget, and he's like, oh, I know someone will do it for free. But it's not. <laughs> he, he really wants her, because he's worked with her, doesn't he? And he feels like he's creating an actress. Yeah, but he's, he's dead creepy, and I don't always trust his motivations. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> let's get on to the pitches section. I think we've got some fun ideas this oh. week. Okay, uh, it's the pitch section of our show uh, where we pitch movie ideas uh, for movies that don't exist yet. Uh, this week, it's a Quentin Tarantino special. So we're thinking of projects that involve Quentin in some way. He could be acting in it. He could be directing. He could be producing. Um, I've got a few ideas for us today. Hit me. Okay, so I'm going to start with a with with just a few um, pairings that I think would be good because w- what I'd like to see Tarantino do uh, that would potentially prolong his career because we spoke about him um, potentially ducking out after ten movies. Yeah. Um, I'd like him to work alongside other filmmakers um, to uh, complete some projects. You know, possibly like TV projects. Well, he's done that before. Surely Four Rooms, where they did like... They, yeah. They, they, they directed like a section each or something. Him and Rob Rodriguez and some other directors. He's definitely done it in the past. He, he seems to have slowed down on that, though, in recent years. Um, um, obviously, he, collab- he collaborated with Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, for the Grindhouse feature, which is like a double feature with the two films. He's worked with some great directors, but it's kind of like kind of like the actors you feel he works with. He kind of works with the people he 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 knows, sort of, doesn't he? You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. 
So I'm saying he should branch out and meet some new people. Yeah, so who? <laughs> so, so who? Um, well, I think he'd uh, work really well with uh, Nicholas Windin Refin. I'd like to see a project directed by... Uh, Windin Refin, yes. um, but that was that was written like like that. W- the screenplay mm. was written by Tarantino. So this is the guy who's done Drive, Neon um, Demon, yeah. Only God Forgives, Valhalla Rising, and uh, very Watson. recently uh, on Prime, he's been making a he's just released a TV show called uh, Too Old to Die Young uh, with Miles My- Teller, and and I've. I really enjoyed that. I know not everyone has. You um, said it was more like a 10-hour film than a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he really hasn't changed any of his directing style yeah, since I, moving over to TV. Like, I can see that, I, yeah. I, I think, for me, the real difference in TV to film is, basically, in TV, yeah, you have to... It, it's It's got a faster pace. You, you hit more plot points. Whereas in cinema, in a movie, uh, you can have these sort of, like, long shots that don't really mean anything because you're you're meant to be watching it sat in a cinema with a fucking 20 foot screen yeah. um and that's so so nicholas winning refin like he's still directing like that when he's making tv so it can be a bit tedious at times when you're, you're sat yeah. at home in your living room watching you know a 10 minute panning shot of new mexico desert yeah. but there is something undeniably beautiful about it <laughs> What if he, um, we were having a conversation the other day about how we'd like to see Wes Anderson branch out into other things. Mm-hmm. What about a Tarantino Anderson? Tarantino Anderson? Um, mashup. I feel like Tarantino would end up having a fight <laughs> with Wes Anderson. Like, I feel yeah. like Wes Anderson would break his nose. Two nerds together. They're like, they're like possibly too geeky. Just keep them apart. <laughs> um, I'd like to see uh, well, we're talking about how I'd like to see a Wes Anderson horror film I'd like to see a Quentin Tarantino do a full on horror um, mm, yeah, there's yeah. elements of that in the new one in Hollywood so uh, it'd be nice to see Quentin Tarantino do a full on horror film but he's, he sort of did with Death Proof he sort of did with um, but you know in a, a different realm folk horror even <laughs> uh, another <laughs> director that I think he would do really good work with is uh, Craig S. Zahler Who's um, he, he did uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99, Bone Tomahawk, more recently Dragged Along Cronk. Sorry, more recently Dragged Along Cronk. Dragged Along Concrete. Dragged Along Concrete. <laughs> um, and uh, which is a great film, all of them are. And, uh, you know, again, I'd like to see. Well, well I don't. I'd like to see them just, him just work with Tarantino on, on something in some way. I feel like. But I see a lot of their work in each other. Yeah, and the people he works with, I'd like to see work with Tarantino, like Vince Vaughn. Um, mm. Yeah, we were saying in the in the pub after the movie, actually, uh, we're, we're surprised Vince Vaughn hasn't worked with uh, Tarantino yet, particularly yeah, totally. on something like like this, like yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, he'd be great. We were talking about other actors we'd like to see with Quentin Tarantino. Um, Sam Rockwell would be great. Why hasn't he worked with him yet? Mm-hmm. Um an old Gary Boosie. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm really sad that we never saw Philip Seymour Hoffman oh. get to work with Tarantino. Yeah. As some sort of like, you know, kooky mob boss. Jake Gyllenhaal. Why yeah, he... I mean, that, that'll probably happen. Yeah. He gets everywhere. Yeah. Uh, funny you should mention music biopics earlier in the show. Oh, really? With the big... Mr. Blobby one that's coming out soon. Yeah, our, our big Mr. Blobby movie. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to work with Fassbender. Mm, you know. Crinkly bottom. But I, I actually had an idea about uh, a music biopic that I think Tarantino would do justice. Oh, really? You know, I've always found Tarantino to be, you know, he's, he's obviously, he's got a real love for America, you know. He's American, for fuck's yeah. sake. Okay, yeah, um, we've established that. So I'd like to see him do... A music biopic of Elvis. Yes, I can see that. And uh, my idea is, so basically, young Elvis is played by Miles Teller. Right. From Whiplash, and uh, as I just mentioned, Too Old to Die Young. Yeah. uh, Which I highly recommend, and Miles Teller is particularly great in it. Um, And then older Elvis Mm. is played by Michael Madsen. Of course, yeah. Like the 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 fucking going wrong Elvis. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. On Dies toi- on a toilet, yeah, Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Michael Madsen is toilet Elvis. Yeah. And I mean, 
obviously Michael Madsen works with um, Tarantino a lot. He's a, sort of like a veteran of Tarantino's work. He's Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, he's uh, he appears in the new one. He's in Hateful Eight. Um, he's in a load of load of them. Mm-hmm. Can't get rid of the bastard. Whilst we're on the topic of biopics, uh, other people I think would be quite uh, Tarantino would be quite good at doing um, a biopic of would be John Wayne. Yes. You know, good old racist John Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino would lap that shit up. I think think he'd he'd absolutely love to do a movie about known white supremacist John Wayne. Who'd he get to play him, though? I mean, that's a tricky one. Um, McConaughey? Yeah, I mean, I still think, you know, like, uh, DiCaprio can kind of do it. Or he did it in this a bit. Or do you want, like, a sort of, like, an older... Um, John Wayne like do you want sort of like uh, Ed Harris to put on a few pounds yes I do want that and my final (laughs) suggestion of uh, a good biopic that I think Tarantino could get his teeth into um, is and a kind of an obvious biopic that I'm surprised hasn't been done in recent years I'm sure it's been attempted at some point uh, but is the biopic of Sinatra yes yes uh, why hasn't that been done properly? I don't know. Surely it's got to be some sort of estate issue. Yeah, and the Rat Packs, so there have been like little Rat Pack films, but all of mm. them deserve their own film. And a yeah, film. I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. in particular. Dean Martin. Yeah, I can see Tarantino, Tarantino doing something like that. I mean, the reason I mention all of these biopics is because uh, I quite like how Tarantino goes from genre to genre. And uh, I think biopics is one that I think he could really do justice. Uh, and I've tried to come up with a few others that I think would, uh, that would, would kind of make sense. Uh, and I, I, can't, I struggled, really. I struggled to find any that would make sense. So then I tried to come up with ones that would be fun. And... I really want Tarantino to give a period drama a bash. Yeah. And I know he's done sort of westerns and things that are set in the past. Most of his work is. But I mean a proper Pride and Prejudice or Pirates uh, (laughs) project. I was going to say, as a mashup, him and Kenneth Branagh. Him and Kenneth Branagh could whack out period drama and or Shakespeare. Like to, everyone would like to see Tarantino do Shakespeare. Well, actually, one of my ideas that I've got written down here is Tarantino's Othello. I've got it written down. I was thinking maybe Macbeth's probably more obvious or something like that. But surely you, you want Samuel L. Jackson as Othello. Yeah. Like, what screams Tarantino more than Samuel L. Jackson as Othello? <laughs> Zoe Bell as Othello. Fuck off. Please. <laughs> she can be Lady Macbeth. Zoe Bellow. Yeah, and she can also play Macbeth. But I do think he's sort of crying out for his Barry Lyndon, which is a huge, sprawling English countryside period drama made by Kubrick, uh, which, you know, looks great, but is long. Um, you know, like I feel like he, he could, he's looking out, he needs one of those. I mean, I'd like to see him remake Das Boot. Yes. He could do that. You don't seem sure about no, 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 Quentin no. Tarantino's Das Boot. No, I can totally see him doing Das Boot. Um, a bit like, you know, Hateful Eight at times. It's all trapped in one place. Mm-hmm. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Yeah, totally. And then, like, uh, I was trying to think of other genres as well. Uh, one idea that came to mind uh, was, uh, like, a coming-of-age story. Yes. Sort of like a stand-by-me. But yes. then, but then, I quickly realised I I don't want Tarantino anywhere near children. Um, so no, but you can imagine him like you know um, finding a dead body in a, in a lake, or maybe him and a load of video nerds from the video shop. Maybe a bit like Clerks meets Stand by Me, where <laughs> like it's Quentin Tarantino, but when they're like you know seventeen, he's working at a video store or something, and he goes, "Hey, there's a there's a dead body in the alleyway." I would like to see him do something that. That was based in a, a video store or, yeah. or had, had, you know, a large part of it in a video store. And I'm kind of confused why he hasn't really had those scenes. Starring Tarantino and Kevin Smith. And they're both together <laughs> in a video store. They work together. And it's like a big budget clerks. And Kevin Smith's daughter is obviously in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And so is Ethan Hawke's daughter from Stranger Things. And so is apparently Tim Roth, but he's been cut out, as we saw in the credits. It just says Tim Roth brackets cut. That seems like a real (laughs) kick in the dick when your name's there and it says cut in brackets. Uh, I feel like I've been quite harsh on uh, 
Quentin's foot fetish in uh, earlier in the podcast. I was kink shaming him, and one thing that I would probably like to see him do is I'd like to see him branch out into into documentary filmmaking, and maybe he's the man to help us understand foot fetishism. Yeah. You know, you know, bring it out into the into the forefront, bring it out into the real world, because us us boob and bum lovers we, or dick lovers, we we're kept in the dark on your feet loving ways. Yes. Um, Show us your feet, Quentin. And it kind of creeps me out, um, but I feel like I want people to be honest about it now, you know, and I want to I want to stop the stigma and maybe Tarantino's the man to do that. Yes, um, he's got to be. Or maybe he's a, he's a terrible spokesman and he's just going to drive foot fetishists further underground. Yeah, I mean, we should watch ourselves. He is a fucking creep. <laughs> uh, one idea I had, um, obviously... Coming off the back of, we, we watched Killing Zoe earlier. Yes. Um, and I've always liked the idea of uh, a sequel to Killing Zoe. Um, oh, yeah, that would be brilliant. Killing Zed. Yes, yes, uh, the lead character. Whilst I know um, Tarantino's had heists in his films, like, he hasn't really done, a, like, a proper heist movie. Yeah. And uh, I'd quite like to see him do, like, 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 like a heist sequel my idea is that it's um it's set in america um zoe and eric stoltz have, have moved moved over to america yeah, that's julie delpy and eric stoltz as zoe and zed uh but they're struggling for money again she's considering hooking again and to stop her from hooking he gets uh you know back into bank robbing um and he goes to rob a local bank again with another load of junkies uh, but the twist is in this sequel um is that vincent cassell is the brother Eric's brother of yeah, Eric who was that was yeah, yeah not Eric Stoltz but the character no, yeah, Eric yeah, in the, yeah. in Killing Zoe yeah Eric is a character in Killing Zoe who is the sort of mastermind behind the the bank heist and he's his old insane friend and in my movie Vincent Cassell who's a fantastic French actor you'll know him uh and he's he's like a like a like a gun crazed hitman on the run looking for for Zed yes um because Zed obviously uh murdered eric in well yeah well did well he did well yeah 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 more or less yeah um but the spoilers but well it's it's a fucking big bank house there's those police there it's a bloodbath (laughs) but uh, watch it (laughs) yeah no it's fantastic film from the 90s it's great um but yeah uh, Vincent Cassel is fantastic. A similar role he did in um, Doberman. I would really I recommend keep watching. meaning to watch Doberman. You would love it. You would absolutely love it. And then going out of the box now for my final suggestion. Um, and I think you've kind of mentioned it already, though, uh, is, you know, we'd love to see Quentin do a bit of horror. Yes. Now, I sort of sat down and thought, well, what monster would Quentin like to work with would he work with a sort of like a vampire a dracula zombie um i sort of done zombie planet terror was a bit like that anyway ghosts or witches uh i've worked out what i think he would do what i think works for tarantino i want to see a tarantino werewolf film yes right and what i want to see is it's a werewolf film starring jeff daniels Okay. And he's he's not not only is he a werewolf, but he's also the president of the United States. <laughs> now that is good. Uh and that's as far as I've got, but uh, there's something about it. Quentin Tarantino uh presents American werewolf in the White House. <laughs> Very good. I like <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> um werewolf films are fantastic. There's a silver bullet um, I could see him doing a version of that. That's a great Stephen King adaption. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him adapt something yeah, of Stephen King. Totally, yeah, that would be good. Uh, I, I was always thinking about Walter Goggins, Walton Goggins, who's in Hateful Eight and yep. stuff. He could be in this werewolf film as the guy that like attacked, who's like yeah. against Jeff uh, Daniels. Um, you know, like a werewolf hunter with silver bullets and shit. The reason I'm drawn to werewolfism uh, is kind of, you know, like the the undeniable gore in Tarantino's movies. I, f- I feel like werewolves really lend themselves to that. Like the transformation of a werewolf is terrifying. Like in, in so many, in fact, they've got it right in so many movies, uh, particularly American Werewolf in London. And uh, was it Company of the Wolf? Company of the Wolves, yeah. Uh, Company of Wolves by um, Neil. 
Neil Jordan, Irish director. Which is, it's a seriously good film. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Strange, twisted fantasy. Um, but when you said Tarantino and werewolves, I did instantly think of Harvey Keitel because he's called oh, like yeah. Mr. Isn't he called like Mr. Wolf or Wolf? Or he's called yeah, fiction? Mr. Wolf in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And um, what if he brought that character from Pulp Fiction? Because that character's already been used in fucking car insurance ads or some sort of insurance ads. Yes, Remember, he has. You're right. So fuck, we can do whatever we fucking like with that character. Let's bring the Pulp Fiction world, but use him and turn Wolf into an actual werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes off and we have a story that's still connected to the Tarantino world, the Pulp Fiction world, but it's a werewolf movie starring <laughs> Harvey Keitel. And I've always wanted to see Keitel as a werewolf, right? Yeah, no, totally. He, he might have been one, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so... Um, as you were saying, I mean, it's a tricky one. Um, I'm trying to think of anything with a sort of Tarantino involvement or a Tarantino flavour or whatever. Um, I've got sort of two big ideas and a few little ones to scratch off the notepad. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, I was thinking Shakespeare as well. We've done that, mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Um, he's also, he was talking about how he loves rom-coms. It would be great to see him do a big rom-com. Yeah, w- would it? It'd have a lot of feet in it. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I don't know. You've got a good point. It's the feet it, thing. It'd probably be about like a, a pinky that fell in love with a big toe, and <laughs> right, you know well, they had to overcome the other the other toes, and well, 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 well all of the that, toes are played by Samuel L. Jackson. Right, you know, keep, I, I keep just, that uh, idea for another idea in a mo. Actually, so okay, we'll scratch those off. Um, another one, uh, obviously Walter Goggins' project. I'd love to see him do a, a really focused Walter Goggins' project. Walton Goggins' project. He's uh, mm-hmm. in um, Hateful Eight, and he's a great actor. He's in a TV show called Vice Principals. And at uh, the Shield. Uh, I'd love to see him as like a sleazy lawyer in like or something, or a private detective. Or I can totally see that already. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, like a hot setting, like hot, like a Florida or Hawaii, or I don't know. Sort of like 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 a dark um, Better Call Saul. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's already yeah. dark, but like <laughs> like seriously without humor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that'd be a good one. I'd like to see Tarantino do a pirate movie, mm, um, like Polanski did. Polanski did pirates, right? So well, I'm kind of surprised Tarantino hasn't. Exactly. Because <laughs> he man. fucking loves the prick. Yeah. Because he's... All, the yeah. nonce. <laughs> he's always defending him. Oh, she was down with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, pirate movie. You could have Rockwell. Sam Rockwell in that. Richard E. Grant even. Just put all my favourite actors in it. Hugh Isn't Grant. Sam Rockwell as a pirate? Yeah. Think about it. Okay. I can see that. Um... So anyway, so uh, oh, and also I should have mentioned. Um, I like when Tarantino's popularity hit. I was watching um, ER on TV uh-huh. on Channel Four, and he directed an episode of ER. There was the, there was always the like weird because that show was so popular. There were like random episodes that were uh, either directed or made, but there was a great like standalone George Clooney episode or a standalone episode with Ewan McGregor in with, with like a heist in a, in a convenience store. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino did directed an episode and there is a moment when the nurses were all walking down doing the Reservoir Dogs thing where they've all got fucking sunglasses <laughs> on. Um, so he directed an episode. Um, I would like to see him direct maybe another just random TV show. Uh, <laughs> Coronation Street. <laughs> right. Okay. You yeah. Know? Gogglebox. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, he, he directs uh, an episode of Coronation Street. Roy Cropper uh, accidentally shoots someone in the face in the back of Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm, Rolls mm-hmm. Royce. Rolls Rolls. You know the place. Um, or, you know, or he does some Hollyoaks or a casualty. I mean, he is similar to that. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I love that idea. I mean, I, I can see him doing EastEnders more, though. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like he's got more of a Cockney thing going yeah. on. I don't think he gives a shit about the north of England. Mm-hmm. I could totally see him doing a, like, working with Danny Dyer yeah. on, uh, on on EastEnders down the Queen Vit. Hear me out, Emma Dale. I am, I am listening. <laughs> I'm saying, like, the Pulp Fiction, mm. like, guys, but, like, he's, you know, the, the, they, like, get people and, like, fucking time up and bum them in the yard and stuff. In the stable, like a Zed, but like a farmer Zed that fucks people in the stable. Right. In the fucking okay. barn. I mean, this is a this is terrifying already. I know, right? So, I'm just saying, he could direct something on... Something about bumming farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Farmers yeah. that ca- catch you and bum you. Or maybe he could just appear on, like, a Celebrity Bake Off or something. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, that'd probably be nicer, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be, be, that'd be more family-friendly. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, this is a big one. Um, he's never done uh, like a big Disney cartoon or a Pixar movie. An animation. Yeah, big animation with like animals and stuff or like someone like Sing, but like his kind of characters, but like with animals and shit. Uh, I mean, think about it. He's going to animate some feet. Well, that's that. That was the problem. Going no. back to what you said about uh, rom coms, uh, he could. Now, do, it might be a whole like sausage party style movie, like all about feet. But my main worry is that now you've brought in the animal element, it's going to be like hooves and stuff. He's going to like get into hooves. We're going to create a monster. It's, foot fetishism is a is a gateway fetish. You know, first it's feet, but then you start liking hooves. <laughs> I mean, the whole reservoir, and then you're in a world of hurt. Yeah, the whole reservoir dogs thing has been used in cartoons and stuff. The whole like sunglasses walking along. I mean, it's strange. It's one of those strange, weird movie pop culture phenomenons where uh, Quentin Tarantino's work is so well known. It is is known by children that have never seen his films. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, he's, his stuff is that well known. Um, he's the Ramones of uh, the director's <laughs> world. So you could... Uh, he could do a great big kids film, I think. A big animated movie. You know, right. again, as I mentioned in my section, I don't really I don't really trust him. Like, could you imagine him doing like a project with... like, Is it Millie Bobby Brown or whatever? Um, okay, no, no. I'm thinking like Stranger Things, Frozen, or Moana, or something like that. Um, you know, Tarantino's Frozen. That's what I'm thinking. Right. Um, just fucking let it go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I can see scope there, but you know? Toy Story, Woody. I mean, Tarantino. There's 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 Tarantino influences within the story Toy Story movies, but um, yeah. So we could do a Toy Story. He could voice a character in Toy Story. We'll give okay, him that. right. Who who do, you, who do you think he should voice? Or what toy would Quentin Tarantino be? That's a good one. Um, ugh. Be a toy gun, wouldn't he? I mean, he could be a bobblehead of himself. Like one of those <laughs> Funko Pop dolls. Yeah, or he'd be like a VHS tape or something. I don't know. <laughs> like a Betamax player. Yes, Peter Max, they were a thing. Um, <laughs> we've got a wobbly head over on our movie bong desk. It's a wobbly head of um, David Hasselhoff from Ye- Sharknado 3. Yeah, so- we'll, we'll have to take a photo of this and put it on our Twitter. Uh, we've basically got like a, a desk and a studio that we record out of in our flat. Uh, and Mike has, has made a new addition, which is it, it's, a, it's sort of like a bobblehead doll of... Uh, David Hasselhoff from Sharknado. I think Sharknado 3, possibly. I don't know. Or one of the Sharknado movies. I haven't seen them, but I really want to watch the one with him in. Because it's got a little... On the box, it's got a little character breakdown, and uh, it sounds great from the film. I I really want to see it. And that's our new mascot. And why hasn't Hasselhoff been in a fucking Tarantino movie? Oh, I don't think that would end well. He he, He could do a Travolta with him, man. Hasselhoff... Bang, he should be in a Tarantino movie. Should have been in this, Hollywood, once upon a time. Uh, no, I, like, no, I, no I've, just, I've just so, no. Right, I don't Tarantino, really know what to say. I Tarantino. Just, just, it's a hard no. Tarantino does Night Rider. Okay, now I'm back in. Now I'm back <laughs> in. You see, you, you, you've you drawn me back in with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or Baywatch. But that's been done recently and fucked up. Yeah, but Tarantino's Baywatch. I can see that. Okay, I've got one final idea. Yep. We were talking about recasting things. Uh, we've been talking about recasting things recently. Mm-hmm. Um, how about we go back to Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think about it, I, I love a lot of his movies, but like Reservoir Dogs is fantastic. Pulp Fiction is possibly my favorite, but Reservoir Dogs, we go back to where it all began. Mm-hmm. And we recast Reservoir Dogs, but we do a Ghostbusters and we do it all female. We have Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> no, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we do. I know, you know, because because the female version of Ghostbusters went down so well with uh, white geeks, <laughs> um, <laughs> white male geeks, um, because everybody embraced that film so much <laughs> and so openly, open-heartedly, um, why not do a Reservoir Dogs female version? I mean, you know, why not? And if, if not for any reason, but it would definitely upset quentin <laughs> yes yes although if he did uh if he did a reservoir dogs if and if he did it if he made a female version of it they would get battered the fuck out of 
and like they probably have a worse time than the guys do because that's just a running theme in his films. Oh, right. oh, you mean the women and the characters in the film? Yeah, um, yeah. like they yeah. would get like they get both ears cut off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a female policeman, police woman. That would be a police woman. <laughs> So like getting so, her head chopped off. So like if there was like a, a female character playing Mr. Brown, who is the character that Quentin Tarantino plays, he could get shot in the stomach instead of being like uh, in the back of the car going, oh, I've been shot in the stomach. The female character would be like, oh, I've been shot in the stomach and the face and both yeah. of my tits and, and, and my knees have gone and I don't have any feet anymore. And, and my that- wrists are basically custard. <laughs> and that would be uh, Zoe Bell. Yeah, 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 Mr. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We decided who Tarantino would get Zoe Bell to be his part. Uh, Who else? Who would you recast? Who would you recast as Harvey Cartel and Tim Roth? My only real suggestion is I think Michelle Yeoh should be in this as Harvey Cartel's part. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Buscemi's part, Mr. Pink, could be. um, It's got to be. It's got. It's a comedy thing. So again, Kristen Wiig would be good, but. or, Rebel um, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Kate McKinnon. Yes, um, yeah, yes. Um what were um and th- what about Tim Roth, Mr. Orange or mm, Mr. Tessa Blonde? Thompson? Yes, bang. Mr. Blonde. Mrs. Blonde, should we say? Michael oh Madsen. right, the psycho Well I think Michelle Yeoh could be Mr. Blonde. Oh, okay. I was thinking her more Harvey Cartel, but what about the Harvey Cartel then? Sandra Bullock. Or um I mean Patricia Arquette has been doing some fantastic acting work recently. True. Uh, true. She's she like transformative in Escape from Danamora, oh. which not enough people have seen. What's the What's the lady from Widows? The the main star of that. She uh, gets off with Liam Neeson. Viola Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the beginning of that film, that film's great, Widows. But at the beginning, she's just making out with Liam Neeson very graphically. Um, so I'll have none of that in this. <laughs> Actually, no. Liam Neeson can play the cop, and he gets his ear chopped off. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah what do you think a female version I I like it I, I mean I don't think Quentin would but uh, fuck him he'll fucking like it a lot but yeah yeah Quentin you'll fucking do what we want you to do right alright mate alright sorry I'm just um... I mean two hours 45 minutes <laughs> and like fuck all happens I mean it's glossy the, the stuff the, no, the nothingness is nice nothingness it's glossy I don't so think I'm you can say about... like nothing happens no, when there I'm... are flamethrowers <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm yeah stuff does happen it's just as I say when you come out of a film that long you know it's but it's glossy and nice one thing I will say about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, is that after we watched that movie we came straight home you hadn't seen the rest of Hateful Eight, so we, we, we popped on Look, the Hateful Eight, so we did do a double. I didn't feel honest about doing this podcast without seeing all of Tarantino's films, and I have seen the first half of Hateful Eight about three or four times, but because it's so long, and I missed it in the cinema and stuff, I was watching at home, I fall asleep all the time, and uh, that's a fuck, that's another long film. But we managed to watch uh, watch it when we got back. I'm really proud of us. <laughs> and um, But that, that's a lot, that's a better film. It's fantastic. Uh, my point was, is like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood isn't as good a film as Hateful Eight. Like, we no. came back home, we no. watched Hateful Eight, and immediately I was yeah. like, this is a much better film <laughs> in every way. Yeah. Like, it's it's better written. Obviously, I mean, I think it's probably one of his be- better screenplays. I mean, uh, but it's beautifully shot. That There aren't shots in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that blow my mind, that make me go, wow. And there are in Hateful Eight. And we were watching Hateful Eight at home on a big telly, whereas we were watching Once Upon a Time in a fucking cinema on a 20-foot yeah. screen. And I remember um, recently we were listening to an interview, or uh, we were watching an interview um, with from the producers of uh, Hateful Eight, and they were talking about how they had to be so quick with getting those shots and going out into the snow, you know, back in, and mm-hmm. and so and so it is really impressive that that film. I can see why he wants to do a theatre production of it, um, but it's great, uh, and I'm glad. Yeah, I, I finally uh, finished it because it's fantastic. But I, I was a bit dubious because he did two westerns together. He did Django, then that. Yeah. And I think that's what I was like. Oh well, I really enjoyed Django, but Unchained, but doing one another western. Turns out I did. But don't worry, because we're going to get a sci-fi next, hopefully in his Star Trek project. Yes. So something different, or you know that Pixar foot movie. Who knows? 
Cool, well that's it for this week. Uh, let us know if you've got any topics, genres, directors, actors that you'd like us to pursue in a future episode. Um, until then, follow us on Twitter. Uh, rate us, like us, subscribe to us. Please, follow us home. Please like us. We just <laughs> need validation. So it's a step too far. Well, I just just being honest. I I've been sure, very honest. But I feel like we should play it cool. You know, like, like I was very honest in that movie bong trailer. I've been very honest in a lot of things. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm bearing my soul in this podcast. And you don't value that enough. <laughs> I don't think pitching stupid movie ideas like we do can be considered bearing your soul. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you look within and read between the lines, I think we've, we, we've, we've come up with some really deep stuff here.